So what is up, everybody? We got an amazing ass show for you today on Rugby Swag. Yo, we got so much happening. We will be talking about rugby results from the Rugby World Cup semifinals. We're looking at results from WXV this past weekend. USA Rugby doing some stuff. Man, we are looking at the biggest news of the day with the Nations Cup being announced officially as an actual thing. Uh, we're talking about Pacific Nations Cup adding in there. We're talking about the world rugby, world schedule, international schedule changing. Of course, let's talk about a little bit about scrums and so much more. But before we even get started, yo, let's hit that intro. I think the minute I stepped on our practice field for rugby, the calling happened. An eight-year plan to be on the team. And I was in it within two years. Don't wait until you are a pro to be a pro. Right. And I walk around with a rugby ball sometimes, and they're like, what is this child on? It looks like it was a heavy hit. It's up. It's not the option. You know, that's the first time I played, like, professionally. I'm making rugby money. How can I make money outside of it? And there's two Scottish guys, and I said, oh, you're, um, you're here for the movie. That rugby is a game for all shapes and sizes, all cultural um, aspects. And he looked at me, and he said, you guys are awesome. Yo, my name is Gift Gift. I'm a Bailey. Welcome to Rugby Swag, the show where we talk about what's going on in rugby and the people that are involved. Y'all, before we even get started, I want you to make sure that you guys can go ahead and tell your friends about this show. We want to be able to keep talking and not just about growing the game, but keeping you informed about what's going on in the game, keeping you entertained about what's going on in the game, and most importantly, letting you know that all that goes on in the game is something that matters to the people. So uh, I want to make sure that you guys also, please don't forget, you guys can go ahead and like us on any of our social media. Check us out on Rugby Swag Show at uh, on Instagram. You can check me out at Gift A Bailu on X, at Gift Time Rugby on Facebook and, uh, and TikTok. And of course, uh, if you're getting a chance to uh, catch this on any of the platforms. You can also subscribe to youtube.com slash gift time rugby. Definitely please like and subscribe to it if you get the chance. And then also, if you don't even have time to sit and watch these live or whatever it is, I want you absolutely, absolutely to check it out on any of our spot platforms on our whether it is Spotify, whether it is Apple Podcasts, whether it's Amazon, iHeart. We want to make sure that we're getting it out to you. And, of course, that you can distribute it to anybody that you feel you need to get it distributed to. So we got some great subjects. I want to thank you all for taking the time to listen. Um, but before we get started, of course, let's hit some of our sponsors so we can really make sure we can continue this right. Yo, I'm going to let you get right back to it. But I want to talk to you about one of my favorite brands that are out there right now. Actually, I'm going to show you right quick. This is ketogenic coconut bread mix. This is a specialty flour blend that allows me to be able to eat almost whatever cakes that I want. Now, coconut is not typically one of my favorite flavors, but this has absolutely killed. And it's not just because it has great taste, not because it's just easy to make, but it's because it is absolutely not going to destroy my stomach. It is gluten-free, but not nasty. Uh, this is something that has been going on, and this a company, Health Enhanced Food, has so many other options to be able to do and provide and customize to the needs that I wanted to. 
and this is something that I think we all know, especially in this world, it's hard to eat grain flour nowadays. It's not good. It's destroying the stomach. People are getting new and new diseases, and you need to have some new alternatives. So I suggest definitely go check out Health Enhanced Foods. See what kind of bread you can make. And no, it takes 20 minutes to be able to make something from it. They have a slew of options, and they are well knowledgeable in their ingredients. Everything is transparent. Everything is made in the U.S. and then some. So in the meantime, if you guys could support the show and go to Health Enhanced Food, and you can use coupon code Rugby Swag to be able to get 10% off your first purchase order. That's Rugby Swag. And you guys can go ahead and get your bread journey going on today. That's just your cakes, your pies, your bread. And, of course, with Thanksgiving and Christmas coming around, you're going to need it. HealthEnhancedFoods.com. Let's get back to it. Yo, y'all, we got up our first episode of our first uh, talk. And, uh, of course, we got to absolutely speak about the Rugby World Cup final semifinals. Uh, this was a wild weekend. I uh, couldn't ask for better. So uh, let me get that music up and started. All right, y'all. So, look, man, we had a great Rugby World Cup weekend going into this one. I think that we could say that this might be one of the most exciting Rugby World Cup semifinals that we've had in a long time. Uh, But the results definitely were something to be made. Let's start off first off with Argentina versus uh, New Zealand. Now, that was a game that we had a lot of hope, but not necessarily a whole lot of expectations. Argentina would fall to New Zealand 44-6. to All Blacks scored seven tries in this, led by Will Jordan, the winger. Uh, All Blacks led in every major statistical category. One person that you got to absolutely say was a beast in that one was center Jordy Barrett. Uh, he led in carries, in meters carried, tackles, and also scored. Like, talk about a perfect game. The All Blacks just looked like the legitimate All Blacks that you know from the past. Not like what we saw over the course of the last year. They looked like an actual All Blacks team. Argentina did try put up two penalty kicks um, led by Emilio Buffenci and, uh, of course, flanker Marcos Kramer led in tackles and carries. Speaks volumes to what that um, what that uh, uh, um, you know, Argentina side uh, the way it's coached, man. It's a forward heavy side. Uh, Michael Sheikah definitely speaks to try and make sure they can open up the middle and then let's spread it out to more and more going out from there. Uh, next game, we had England taking on South Africa. Now, this was probably the most key game of it all. Uh, we really were not sure where it was going to go. Everybody really thought South Africa, honestly, even myself, thought South Africa was absolutely going to dominate in this game. Uh, needless to say, to be able to see what the final score was was a little bit heavy. Uh, final score, South Africa winning 16-15 to 15 over England. This one was about as evenly set as possible. I know a lot of people talk about uh, the scrums, and we're going to talk a little bit about that a little bit later on. But, man, that this one, uh, England, England just didn't have that little bit. But I have to say, we have to stop underestimating England. Uh, Owen Farrell led in this sco- with a score of uh, five, with a score of fifteen, five penalty kicks. All scores for England were led by him. Uh, England led the majority of this game. <clears throat> South Africa kicking has been the name of the game for this um, 
for this uh, uh, Rugby World Cup. And kicking continued to be the name of the game in it. Uh, uh, Pollard definitely scored, led with two uh, penalty kicks and a conversion to keep Af South Africa over the top. Of course, the try by R.G. Shaman uh, really is what I think sent this spark up for South Africa and gave them the chance to just be able to take it over. Uh, again, a lot can be said. Maybe you can talk about the penalties. You can talk about, um, you know, whatever. Talk about the penalties. Talk about the ref play. Honestly, you played a game the way that you played a game. Uh, people might say Owen Farrell talked a lot <laughs> to the uh, refs and didn't give them. And the refs didn't give favorable play towards England, especially when you talk about the scrum penalties and the way South Africa was able to maneuver them. But once again, you play the game that you that's in front of you. You don't play the game that you want to have. And it's not about a perfect game. It's about the game that you complete. So um, shout out, big up to South Africa and New Zealand, making it into the finals. Man, we have the match. Like this is, I think this is easily the match that we wanted to have. But I think this might be the match that doesn't grow rugby. But this is the best entertainment match that we could have. Kind of looking forward to it. I mean, think about the storyline on this. You have a 28-year return to both South Africa and New Zealand playing each other in the Rugby World Cup. The last time they did it was whenever the movie Invictus the, was based off of what the movie Invictus was. Uh, I always love to say, man, like the, the routes that they got to it were almost similar. New Zealand in 2000, uh, New Zealand in... Uh, 1995 uh was running through it wait before i get started yo big shout out to brandon thank you so much brandon davis for taking the time to watch if you guys want to be able to comment absolutely send a comment i definitely love it absolutely wayne barnes coming up to be able to be the main rep for this finals game so definitely big shout out on that one but the parallels between 95 and 2023 28 years later are odd new zealand had what one would say is an easy quarterfinals going into the semifinals going to the finals as the absolute dominant team on their pathway obviously they had jonah lomo who was arguably the best rugby player ever definitely the best rugby player at that time and was an absolute beast uh for south africa a little bit more of a struggle uh they had an easy game against western samoa but the rest was just a, a grind going up against France and to, to try and get into the finals play. And you also had that same one. Yo, South Africa grind against France, grind against England, trying to get to get into the semifinals. The difference is, you know, we actually have a, uh, you know, championship contender, a, a championship uh, protector uh, in this one for South Africa. New Zealand, you know, obviously has, has the history of being a dominant team overall. Um, obviously, they, they his teams have won three and three Rugby World Cups, uh, respectively, uh, for New Zealand, 1987, 2011, and, of course, 2015. And um, for South Africa, it has been 1995, uh, 2019, and I forgot the last one. 1990, I, I, I can't even remember. My goodness, this is bad on my part. But they are looking at for three and three. Now, here's the interesting thing that goes with this. And when it comes to the predictions that I have for this game, 
All right. New Zealand and South Africa, since the Rugby World Cup in 2019, have gone three and two. Now, one could say three and three for South Africa. Uh, and and even, but the last match they played was a warm-up match for the Rugby World Cup. So, you know, that doesn't actually count for anything. That, that doesn't count for ish. Like, it's just... You know, we're going to throw our backup players and half-assed because there ain't nobody trying to get injured. But New Zealand has won the last one, 2023, won that one uh, 35 to 20. And then the last two rugby world championships, New Zealand and South Africa have split this. So, hey, my guy Marcus, Marcus the great, the great ref, yo, puts his predictions in. You guys can check it out, Instagram Live, uh, for South Africa by three. I think that's a really, really, look, this is a toss-up win, and there's no doubt that this is going to be a close game. For me, though, I think the history with New Zealand, and especially the heat that New Zealand has been bringing up, is going to be a difference maker. Like I said, South Africa lost this last rugby rugby championships. The average score between these games for South Africa and New Zealand have been 9.4 points. Basically, it was 2021. Uh, you had two points, three points, and then it started just increasing 12, uh, four, and then became 15, this last one. And so I, I don't know if the mentality is going to be strong there. New Zealand is heating up. South Africa has been in a just, they've been fighting. And I believe her that South Africa is a bully team and New Zealand has just been coasting, being able to coast, but that's because they get their juice. My prediction for this one, I think New Zealand actually wins this one. The um, the score line for this one is at one and a half points uh, in South Africa in uh, New Zealand's favor. I actually think New Zealand will actually take this one, just because I think their confidence has gone up. I'm not going to give any props to Ian Foster. I am going to give props to these this this New Zealand team because I think they found their leg. I think the South African team is going to punch them in the mouth. But man, there's something about South Africa and the fear of kicking that makes me go, I don't know what we're going to expect from them, but I'm going to give this New Zealand. I think this is going to be literally a two-point game, probably something the guys of 17 to 15 or uh, 21 to 19. Uh, No repeat winner for South Africa, even though personally I want them to win because I'd love to see the back-to-back, but you know, uh, my guy Brandon Davis talking about, yo, I was hoping Northern Hemisphere to take it, but let's be honest, it's the matchup that everyone wants. I agree. I thought I thought the 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 way for Northern Hemisphere was a little bit wild, but it's why I enjoy playing that the way that we're playing this game. A lot of talk about the Rugby World Cup has been that this has been a fairly disappointing Rugby World Cup, and a lot of that is based off of pool play. But ultimately, I think when it comes down to it, we always want to see to make sure that we're getting the best teams into the quarterfinal. After that. I am all for what's going to happen. And I it makes it so much better that it it doesn't necessarily discredit the um it doesn't necessarily discredit the uh world rankings leading in, but I think they take out the importance. A lot of people say, "Oh man, the New- South Africa versus France game should have been a championship game or New Zealand Ireland should have been a championship game." No. I want to see the best play whenever they're at the beginning. And I want to see how you go through the hardest competition. All right, go through the gauntlet. And uh, having, but and, and that's what you got. Like, 
out of this quarterfinals, what did you want? You want one person to at least be some level of a dark horse and a spoiler. You want to see the best teams compete against each other. But ultimately, in the end, you want to know that you got the best of the best going in against each other. And I think when it came down to this, we got the best of the best. South Africa, France, perfect. Took out the number two team, though. Who's up? South versus North. We got Ireland versus New Zealand. Ireland had been gloating, clouding number one all season, beating teams all year round. But it's a team that had never won a quarterfinals leading into it. Losing to New Zealand uh, in that fashion, what do you ex- You get exactly what you want. It's not about where the rankings are. It's about who you play and can you smack them in the mouth. And on the flip side, obviously, you had Fiji entering in against England, which we all doubted England on that one. I can't say enough about that. We all doubted England so hard, but they made it through. And best of all, the spoiler, uh, Wales versus Argentina, an Argentina team that I don't think we we, we thought was going to be more of a dark horse. And then we kind of pulled it back. But to take out a Welsh offense like that, yo, you can't ask for more from a quarterfinal. That's what you want. Then ultimately, it wasn't an easy walk going into the semifinals, but it is what it is. And uh, New Zealand, South Africa. So that's me, New Zealand by two to take this one um, for the finals, even though I really want South Africa to repeat. I really want South Africa to repeat. Uh, of course, we got the third place game, uh, England versus is Argentina. Uh, for that one, dude, I, I'm really hoping both teams actually try and make their best out of it. Uh, I actually think England's going to end up winning this one, um, even though I think Argentina is going to play with far more force, especially after uh, what's been happening with uh, the Nations Cup, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But uh, I think that one's going to end up being more of a 15-point game. I think England's going to take this one 35-20. Their guys are ready to get back home, but I think they have – such a heavy pride and losing in that fashion against South Africa is going to be one of those things that just stick in their minds for the rest of the the tournament and moving on for the next uh, four years or so. So I think this is going to be a really good one to be able to check out. All right, y'all. Let me uh, move on to the next because, yo, it wasn't just about the Rugby World Cup this weekend. We also had the WXV tournament. That is the women's, basically their version of the Nations Cup happening this past weekend. Uh, USA Rugby took on Scotland uh, for this week. Um, and, um, you know, I, I think it's safe to say that we have a team that is growing. USA would lose this game 14 to 24. Um, and, 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 you know, that being said, you know, this Scotland team, I said it last week, it's it's a veteran team. They, they got players that play in the premiership um like they 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 don't play but honestly the score is a lot further than what the actual game was i think in the first half scotland really jumped out to the score and really showed who they were but i said this young team is grown this usa team is legitimately growing into something that could be very very special over the course of the next uh two years as we get ready for the next rugby world cup in uh uh 2025 um, and and honestly, we got two sco- two scores by Charlie Jacoby and Paige Stathanopoulos, um, led by uh, Kate Zachary and uh, uh, Kate Benson. Like this young team has energy. Like they're not quitting. They still need to work a little bit on their kicking. 
Uh, they got to get their passing fluidity and really shore up their defensive lines. But that's again comes with the experience. The more games they get to play, the more it's going to end up working out in their favor. Uh, this WXV tournament, I think, is actually pretty spectacular, though it's limited to 18 teams. Um, but it's 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 actually good for the women's play because we really needed more games underneath our belt. Like you know, we've won five games in three years uh, out of 15 games. So now 16 games. So it, getting this new wave and getting them newly excited, I think, makes a big difference for what we can expect for this women's team going on uh, forward. Now, again, they got a tough game coming up next against Italy. Um, but let me kind of go over some of the scores that we have uh, from this WXB because it's really important to know about what's going to happen. So one thing that we know with the WXB tournament is that there is three Obviously, three tiers, WXV1, Division 1, 2, and 3. Division 1 is not getting any relegation. Nobody's moving in and out of that one uh, for the next at least uh, two, two years, um, if I remember correctly. They're not moving out of it until the next two years. Um, and, I mean, it, again, it's whack, but I also get it when it comes to the business side of it. Um, you really want to make sure that you can, you know, show what for the sponsors what you have and then begin to start shifting teams in and out uh this week england took on australia beat them 42 to 7 uh canada took on uh wales beating them 42 to 22 and uh new zealand uh took on france losing to france 18 to 17 which again all really powerful 15s teams i'm actually surprised about new zealand but i'm assuming a lot of their players because uh, I didn't look at their roster, are still prepping for the Olympics. So their speed backs aren't really in the game like that. So it's not the Black Ferns as we know it. Uh, England and Canada, I mean, they, it, they, they their 15s teams are really locked as well as their 7s. Uh, for WXV2 uh, uh, and 3, for WXV2, uh, obviously, talked about USA losing to Scotland 14 to 24. Italy beating uh, South Africa 36 18, which actually was a remarkably good game. I'm really impressed with South Africa. And Japan beating Samoa 32 to 10. Um, you know, talking about what we have to do leading into this, uh, this next level for WXV, I said before, the first division isn't moving anything in relegation. Uh, but divisions two and three have relegation existing. So the way relegation works for the second division, the sixth place team is going to be automatically relegated down to the third place, uh, down to division three. And the division three number one team gets relegated up into division two. In this situation, uh, you actually have uh, Samoa and South Africa uh, playing against each other for bottom of the division who's going to end up getting it honestly it's their last game so it's great that they already have it set up because not all the teams are playing against each other in their division which i also think is a little bit weird but like i guess it's early you know but Samoa and south africa actually play really really similarly if you take a look at their highlights like they're both smack you in the mouth thick teams uh they aren't really great at passing and they don't have great conditioning but they're going to hit you hard and they're going to move the ball and they can grind the ball out. So this one's going to be actually, I think this might be one of the more exciting games to watch, not just because of the stakes for them, but simply because it might be the rawest version of what you want from rugby, which is just smash mouth 
hard nose rugby. Ain't no big amounts of kicking going to be happening out of this one. Ain't no, you know, major uh, um, passing strategy. This is going to be smashed. Shoulders on shoulders, you know, grinding it out games. But what's going to be even more interesting is what the outcome of uh, uh, w Division Three is going to be. Ireland and Spain take the top of Division Three. They both have two wins. Uh, Ireland has the bonus point based off a of score. But <clears throat> if, if Spain is able to get the win plus the bonus point, they're moving up into Division One. Ireland obviously will get that if uh, uh, if they end up winning this game. I was surprised that Ireland and Spain actually were put into D Division Two in this situation because they've been pretty prominent teams in uh, 15s. They've been fairly competitive uh, in the Rugby World Cup. Uh, Spain has been developing its team piece by piece over time, starting with sevens and really seeing themselves kind of shift around. Uh, within 15 is almost similar to what Portugal has done for the men's side. Um, this one, I think, is going to be an interestingly set game. Uh, Ireland uh, definitely has the favor on it. And I actually think that Ireland will win this game. But, man, it, it, it's going to be a close one. I don't think it's going to be ex as uh, entertaining as Samoa and South Africa. But I definitely do think that it's going to be one to watch. In terms of the USA, their game against Italy... It's almost like you're not you're not even gonna have to worry. Like whether the USA wins or loses, they're going to stay in Division Two. Um, Italy definitely is going to be uh, the favorite in this. Again, that's a fast team. They're similar to Scotland, except for I think they're actually faster, probably better conditioned than uh, uh, Italy is. But you know, I mean, better conditioned than Scotland is. But I think it's still gonna be a good game. But honestly. It, it doesn't actually that matter that much. Italy can't relegate up into Division One, and USA is going to be stuck in the middle, just being able to build experience. So uh, it's not the biggest, heaviest game to pay attention to. So uh, I, I don't think it super matters all that much. So that's all we got in terms of our score recaps for this week. Uh, you know, let me know what you guys think. Definitely, you can hit the comments. You can check us out on Instagram live at rugby swag you can catch us in the comments obviously here uh you know i want to hear from you i want to hear your opinions uh and obviously we got more to talk about uh but before we do man let's get back and let's after these this commercial break hey everybody this is just the break transiting out a personal little video diary to all you people out there where i am going to document me riding most of the way between Singapore and Tokyo for the 2019 Rugby World Cup. I needed help, and it came from Louisiana. We in Singapore, baby! Gift from Gift Time Rugby USA is an extroverted tour de force. But what unites us is a hunger for adventure. After KL, Kuala Lumpur. Gift, where are we? We're in Our love of Asian rugby culture. One, two, three, center! Yeah! Rugby is starting to develop here in Cambodia for women as well. Valkyries, the mighty, mighty Valkyries! 
we're out here, we're running out of energy, we're running out of money, and we're feeling isolated. And yet at that critical moment, friends, family, sometimes complete strangers come on board. Before you know it, we're back in the game. Tokyo, here we come. Malaysia, Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam. Watch the full adventure at crugby.vhx.tv. That's C like S-E-E rugby.vhx.tv. Welcome back, y'all. Uh, you know, we got a new subject because it dropped today. Uh, a press recon- a press release and a press conference happened, and it is official. The, uh, the Nations Cup has officially been approved by World Rugby, uh, now absolutely changing rugby as we officially know it. Uh, moving forward, going into this next situ- uh, Rugby World Cup and uh, what this international schedule is absolutely going to be about. So um, just to kind of put it into context, yo, let's 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 talk about this. Man, you need to pull up. All right. So what is the Nations Cup now? All right. The Nations Cup is almost exactly the same concept as the WXV tournament. It is a multi-divisional tournament that is used to be able to create not just a pathway into the Rugby World Cup that is now expanding from 20 to 24 teams, but it is also a means of being able to try and find a way to uh, create better rankings and increase play, as it's been said by uh, World Rugby. That's with Bill Beaumont. Now, uh, to kind of break it down a little bit more, what is it going to involve? All right. What it involves is Division One is going to include the Six Nations teams, that is Ireland, France, uh, England, Wales, Italy, and Scotland, the Rugby Championship teams, that is obviously New Zealand, Australia, and Argentina, and then it's going to feature Fiji and Japan. And if y'all don't even realize, if you have heard me in the past, I said in this Rugby World Cup, I no longer consider Fiji to become be a Tier 2 team. Now that they are allowed to have their players come in to play from them for other teams, especially the professional side, and now they're getting more investment inside their league, and also the additioning of the Fijian Druas to the um, to the uh, uh, the 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 um, Super Rugby, uh, they are now playing as a Tier One team, and obviously World Rugby considers them a Tier One team as well. Division Two is going to include all the teams that are ranked basically 13 to 24. Now, the thing that's going to be a part of it is that there's no regulation. There's going to be no relegation um, from out in and out of Tier 1 until 2030. But the first competitions are going to take place in 2026. And it happens every other year. So what that means officially is that no teams are going to be able to come in and out of the the – Division one, division two of this international schedule until after the USA's first um after the USA's first rugby world cup. That's in 2032. So 2026, 2028, 2030. Tier two teams are basically playing tier two teams. Tier one teams are playing tier one teams, regardless of whether or not they are uh good or not. 
Another faction that's going to be made from this is that Sanazar, which is basically the Southern Hemisphere team, South Africa, um, you know, uh, New Zealand, uh, and and uh, the the islands are, and six nations are going to be running this nation's cup. So this isn't technically a world rugby. Um, this isn't technically a world rugby event. It is a Sanazar and Six Nations event uh, allowed by World Rugby, which I think is very important to denote, in, especially in terms of what we want to expect from growth. Now, this has been very much pushed back. All right. I think there's been very much mixed opinions with this. Um, and uh, it, for me, I'm still trying to figure out exactly what the the full impact is. Um, now, on one hand, you get a lot of opinions that this is going to hinder the growth of tier two nations. Uh, we saw, you know, a lot of spectacular play during this Rugby World Cup, uh, especially late against with teams like Portugal, who have shown themselves to be increasing their play, getting more serious about their play uh, and really being something to be contended. Obviously, Georgia has been one that has been talked about being entered into the Six Nations for a very long time. Um, and then, of course, now you also had teams like Uruguay, who has seen uh, success, maybe not to an extent of wins, but we definitely have seen the progress of that program growing and uh, how they did even in pool play, taking teams to their brink, despite the fact I think the game against France was obviously one of the biggest surprises at the struggle that France had against Uruguay, even though they ultimately ended up winning that game. So the question is, can tier two teams actually develop their players over time uh, if they don't get a chance to play against any tier one nations. The other half of this is, and this was spoken a lot within the uh, press conference that was held uh, literally today. So that's Tuesday, October 24th uh, by uh, Bill Beaumont, which basically was like, yo, this is going to be a chance for teams, tier two teams, especially to increase their schedules by 50% over the course of uh, the two years leading over the course of the years leading into the rugby world cup, because a lot of tier two nations have difficulty of finding games or being able to schedule or being able to create certainty out of these matches out of their matches. And so they ultimately don't get enough development on the field to be able to be competitive overall. Now you can say that that is, that makes sense as well. You know, uh, what is it that is required to improve your rugby? Is it iron sharpening iron where you see tier one nations take on a tier two nation? And honestly, majority of the time, it ends up being an absolute blowout. Um, is that good for the tier one nation? Probably not. They don't, they may get to see their backups play. It's not particularly an entertaining product. And uh, you don't necessarily get to see the stars on the flip side of it. For the tier two nations, while you do get a chance to play against a tier one and kind of see where you're going with it, do you learn that much from your blowout? Is it ultimately that you don't have talent or are you even creating an attraction for new players to be able to enter into the game and find a way to actually want to be part of this experience and this mission to be able to move it forward? Then the other part of this is, Obviously, the money side of it. I think that part probably is more demarcatively heavier to the development and the growth of rugby than probably anything else. Because as of this moment, 
I think we can all say in some way, shape or form that when it comes to how we're able to maneuver and be mobile in rugby is where we can travel to and who we can compete with. I think anybody that's played in a club team knows the cost of going to, you know, a tournament or the cost of, you know, being able to play overseas or bring teams to you. I know, especially in the U.S., you know, it's one of the best bonding experiences being able to travel, but it can also be one of the most arduous ones just trying to be able to figure it out and even take that to the next step in the international levels. And we have so many countless conversations. I remember a couple of years ago having a conversation with uh, Sarah Sal. Uh, who talked about the monetary issues that USA Rugby itself had, despite being this large nation. Obviously, USA Rugby has a lot of monetary issues, and that impacts the women's game as much as the men's game. And so, like, to be able to have a consistency schedule, be able to know that you might not get to see competition against the Tier 1 teams might create a little bit more um, interesting games against a competition that you're in um, simultaneously, if you're increasing the number of, about amount of play, uh, it means that players can maybe get a little bit more ready. And of course you can also test more new players into the system to see if you can get better fluidity, can get better action. And then most importantly, can give sponsors some level of certainty of what is going to happen, where games are going to be played, where it's going to be produced or distributed at or whatever. Um, and obviously, this all leads running into the Rugby World Cup because we're not waiting until 2031 to see what the effects are. It's 2027 that's coming up first and foremost to be able to see uh, the impact of the Nations Cup. Um, the WXV tournament, which is getting just horribly placed into the schedule uh, during Rugby World Cup times, is one that also needs to be talked about. But it's doing the same thing for the women. It's trying to build consistency in the tournaments, uh, consistency in play. So for me, I, I don't think this is as bad, despite it being a closed system this next, you know, basically six years. But I know that I don't like the fact that these tier one teams are really trying to protect themselves because it does inhibit population growth in terms of fandom. And I think you need to increase population growth as much as you also need to increase your, your essential commercial growth. In fact, the two go hand in hand. Uh, obviously, we can talk all the way down to the grassroots level. But in the situation as we know it right now, this, this is anybody, this, this stands out the most in making sure that you're growing the game uh, correctly. Now, one aspect of this um, that really came out uh, about the uh, newly new changes to the uh, international rugby schedule was the development and changes that are now being made to the Pacific Nations Cup. Now, if you didn't know what the Pacific Nations Cup is, that is the former competition that was against basically the Pacific Islands. It was Fiji, Tonga, Samoa competing against each other. This competition is now being expanded to include the USA, uh, Canada, and um, uh, Fiji, uh, and Japan, I'm sorry, and Japan into it. And it is now going to be used as one of the demarcators to the um, demarcators into the Nations Cup itself. 
So it's it's interesting. It once again we get more increase of games. It's not unusual for the USA to play Japan or to play Tonga. That has been pretty fairly normal. But I think this format is what is actually taking the change itself. Uh, so now the rules that are going to be happening in this one is number one, uh, it's going to be taking place in August and September. Uh, it's going to be two pools of three, Fiji, Samoa, Tonga in one pool, Canada, Japan, USA in the other. Minimum of three matches per team. It's going to be a round-robin pool match followed by its final series that will take place either in Japan or USA. That is incredibly important because, again, World Rugby is trying to make sure that we get people going into the Rugby World Cup in 2031. And I think that is why they want to do it in both of these places. I think Japan plays in because of what happened in 2019. Uh, they saw the influx. That $5 billion marker is such a huge umbrella being hung over um, being hung over world rugby and their ability to make money because rugby world cup is their money is their, is their fundraiser essentially. So I think they want to be able to get it in these two quote, quote, economically powerful nations. Uh, obviously, you know, feed technically it really should be in like Fiji uh, or Samoa, but obviously those countries are way too small Way too expensive for teams to really get to on any regular basis. But most importantly, they're way too small. And the distributors and sponsors are less likely to try and put it there because they get less buying power, arguably. Um, so that finals is going to uh, alternate every other year, uh, which is going to be important, again, in determination of how we are able to expand in this and what the, the development is. My thoughts on this one is, once again, I don't know if this is going to necessarily hurt or help the game itself. Uh, I don't feel like the issue for a lot of these teams, or even for world rugby, or even for international play, is that ultimately they are not having enough games to play. I think the biggest issue is that you're not bringing enough eyes to the screen. You are not engaging the audience that is on the ground, and you're not doing enough to be able to build from the children up inside these tier two nations. What happens at the top is simply a result of what you've done at the base. Um, the more games that you have, if you're not promoting them in a way that engages that base more, is not going to do one lick of difference for anything. It's not going to do one lick of difference for any of it. But if you're able to engage that bottom and find a way to be able to... Um, trickle down effect that into your grassroots play not just your club play but into your your youth development and we're talking about three to eight and then obviously 10 to 13 uh that's where you see the basis especially in these bigger nations and that's also going to impact things like south america uh what you do in asia which are also two areas that have the highest economic and population growth, but are ironically the ones that are still being left out of the main competitions, which uh, obviously I think uh, World Rugby is hoping Japan will help be the leader for that for Asia and then obviously the USA for the Americas. But I don't know. This one This one is, is a very, 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 very iffy. Um, I want to kind of look at one of the things that were said in this when it came to the development of one, the Nations Cup and, and this process, uh, take it over uh, to X because obviously that's as the place to go. You got to find your stuff over there. 
But uh, one thing that I think is uh, most interesting, and this was said, Paul Tate. Argentina was not for the lack of relegation. Um, Argentina, which famously known Augustine Pichot, Pichot, uh, who tried to run for chairman of world rugby in 2020 and lost, is one of the leaders for this Argentina team. Um, the Paul Tate, who is the uh, uh, one of the co-founders for America's Rugby uh, News, great website. You probably have already heard it if you're you're paying attention. If you haven't, definitely go check them out. Uh, talked about this, so he he really broke it down. He was like Argentina in tier two. Uh, requested promotion relegations, which was green-lighted, but obviously the timing for that is pushed back. Uh, different unions have more power than others, so no move from world rugby to democratize one vote for all. So uh, places like Uruguay, Chile, Portugal, Georgia, Tonga, Samoa have less votes or no votes whatsoever. Um, also what it means in terms of the relegation uh, means that, you know, we talked about this with Italy Using Italy as an example, the tours to North America, no. Tours to Uruguay and Chile, no. Samoa and Tonga, no. Georgia and Portugal, no. Namibia, no. Uh, it simply sticks within that tier one area. Also, uh, before this, this came out before the the uh, announcement came, um, and that was uh, you know the North and South Cup, the uh, World Rugby using the Pacific Nations Cup as a South Second Division. Um, uh, removing Fiji and Japan out into the Division One, And so you have it like zones like Zone A, Samoa, Tonga, Canada, USA, Namibia, Hong Kong, and Zone B, Chile, Uruguay, Georgia, Romania, Portugal, Spain, uh, Samoa, and Hong Kong, but not versus Wallabies and All Blacks. So Tier 2 sticking in Tier 2, uh, and, and the Pacific Nations Cup being used as that format to make that go. Um, now, uh, like I said, not everybody has been a great fan of this situation specifically. Uh, talking about Argentina, let's talk about Augustin Pichot. Uh, and Augustin Pichot definitely has been one of the biggest rippers of this. And uh, he actually came out, there was an article about him that just came out um, earlier this week. Um, it was written in the... Um, what was the uh, uh, was it? I think the Guardian. Um, it was written in the Guardian and uh, was uh, was written by. Uh, I'm sorry. This it was written on the Daily Mail and it was written by Chris Foy and Nick Simon. Now, if you guys don't know August Pushat, as I spoke before, he was he's a former Argentina uh, rugby player. He played for the national team in 2007 whenever they made it to the semifinals, ultimately, I think, losing to uh, France in that one. Um, and uh, uh, he he has been a massive voice and a massive leader in the Americas, particularly in South America. Uh, he was one of the prominent leaders in world rugby for a while, kind of like waiting and biding his time, getting trying to be the young voice in the old room. Um, and and he was one who had a lot of uh, progressive ideas of where world rugby really should go uh, with uh, 
with rugby in the world. Um, one of the things, whenever 2020 came, uh, whenever uh, Alan Gilpin, no, um, whenever, uh, uh, not Bill Beaumont, um, trying to get the names so I can make sure I give it to you guys correct. Um, uh, man, he moved over to the NFL Europe, basically. But uh, the former, whenever the former uh, chairman for World Rugby stepped down and became the uh, new head for NFL Europe, uh, Bill Beaumont and Augustine Pichot uh, ran in terms of uh, for the chairman for World Rugby. Pichat was expected to really make a serious run. Bill Beaumont kind of is the old boys club. He was an incumbent, ironically, in the sense of the fact that, um, in the sense that, uh, in the sense that, uh, 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 you know, he's been there for ever and a day. I mean, that man is old. I mean, that man, <laughs> that man is old <laughs> uh but again you know the old boys club uh definitely stands strong uh brett gosper that was who was the former head for the former chairman for world rugby whenever uh brett gosper sat stepped down augustine pichot definitely tried to get a stand-in and ended up losing and you know it's one thing Boy, this man, this man talked because he's been quiet for three years. He said in the article, man, I tried to come and help, but Six Nations blocked me, calling every union, especially Alan Gilpin, who is now the World Rugby's chief executive. Uh, JJ John Jeffries, the favorite to replace Beaumont as a World Rugby chairman when his old self steps down uh, because they are threatened. Um, you know, they were threatened by Pichot, as he claims. Uh, one thing he said is like I'm in the voting process. I would never phone Fiji and trade for votes, he's, uh, Pichot says. I could have won the election, believe me, but I wouldn't go the extra step because rugby is a special thing for me, and, I, and if I betray that, I lose respect, and that is what I have in rugby. I think people respect me for that. And look, you know, again, politics plays into all of this, but when it comes to this open space, man, this isn't something that's not been that's been unusually said. This isn't a new thing that's been talked about when it goes to is world rugby regressing because people don't like it? Is it regressing because of old ideas? Or is it regressing because it's not allowing itself to progress? It's not allowing itself to evolve or push out those who have been typically in those positions of power. And is there a fear that they're going to lose if they do? Because I mean, think about it. Like if you are you know, France or England, and you've put in millions and billions and you see uh, a nation like Fiji come in, uh, not only do does it strip you of your best players, but they come in and beat you or God forbid a Portugal comes in and takes you out. Um, you know, now your professional leagues now have a different shift to it. The money, amount of money that you have going to it. And of course the history, we're talking about almost 200 years of rugby and the history of it being very very consistent with who's been at the top almost forever like it it hasn't it literally hasn't even changed in the last 
80 years at minimum. That speaks volumes. So what Pichot is saying in terms of the growth in turn uh, of the blockage um, is kind of a, a major deal uh, in, in the way that we can see where rugby is going with it. Um, of course, then, um, you know, we also want to speak into the he also talks about the fact that the system is done to protect the core. They have seen bigger is better, but they won't take the risk. But they are already at risk. They are in the red. It has to. It has to be a discussion of taking risks for bigger visions. I think 2020 really spoke a lot to what was going on with World Rugby. I think obviously the pandemic exposed a lot of people's finances at the corporate level. Uh, we saw things like Australia really take a big, big hit on it. Um, obviously RFU, the richest and biggest rugby union, quote, quote, take a biggest hit. And obviously these other ones did where now you've seen bigger investments by private uh, equity, uh, for example, uh, Silver uh, Silverleaf investing into all blacks. Um, you have uh, the investment in uh, the Six Nations, um, uh, C uh, CVC investing into Six Nations, um, it, just more, and even seeing other American companies investing in these rugby properties because they just weren't able to hold the finances well enough to be able to make uh, to be able to hold it. So everybody's now in this rush for distribution. Um, one thing that was said, and I, you know, uh, from another show, which was uh, on the rugby wrap up on the rugby odd show, the rugby wrap up with uh, my guy, Matt McCarthy, the champ, John Layfield. And of course, um, we have um, uh, 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 the great, um, we have the great, uh, uh, oh, goodness, uh, it's always so bad whenever you forget stupid name is names just as as quickly as any dude i have a terrible memory i just i just want to say i got a i got a terrible memory but uh <laughs> we were we were definitely uh talking with um uh irish uh commentator and uh 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 former coach um Uh, it's so bad. That's so bad that I the name has literally slipped my mind. Um, oh man, this is this is a bad look. This is a bad look. Give me one second, guys. Give me one second while I I get this name searched up because you know this is what we do. This is what I do. Um, with George Hook. Um, and George Hook really said something that was really profound to me. Uh, well, not profound, but very obvious. Uh, and that was that rugby is not a viewer sport. It's an active sport. And a lot of the death knell that seems to be coming with rugby is that it's trying to be a viewer sport in an, in an active sport situation. And so it, the look at commercialization seems to actually be denigrating the growth that it's doing, which I think it's something to be said. Now, I'm still a, I'm still a capitalist and I still believe that rugby needs to focus on its financial future, but it does make sense as to why it might not be uh, the views that world rugby is going for, which is make as many games as possible, try and sell it to media distributors and be able to get that quick buck and see if we can do it. Basically trying to do a quick NFL system. It doesn't work because a lot of the games that they're played one, they don't have much storyline leading into it. Number two, 
Uh, they are a lot of the people who would be watching might be playing during those games. So you have lower viewership and three, again, you're not activating the base. You're simply trying to work the top. You're simply trying to work the top of the, of the totem pole. And that's not the place that is going to be where the growth is going to come out the heaviest. Um, and again, it, it speaks again, uh, um, when it comes to uh, Pichot and then uh, the president for South American rugby, Sebastian Pinarua, he said, it's a death of rugby. He says the, the Nations League concept, the Nations Cup concept, it will kill rugby because it will be impossible to compete with those teams in four to five years. They're going to go up and the others will go down again because you're not dealing with what the actual uh, issue truly is. So uh, that's my thoughts on it. I, I, I don't, I don't know if I'm 100% with Pichot on everything, but I think he's definitely in the right direction. And I do think that different leadership has to be made. Pichot said he's not going to run again, um, but he does want to absolutely focus on being able to grow populations in places like Brazil, in China, in Japan, uh, in South America, Uruguay, where you actually have places where population growth can go because New Zealand capped out. Uh, England, I think from a cultural standpoint, capped out. Even South Africa, capped out. Uh, and you see it in the in the media rights deals, capped, 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 capped. Um, so I, I, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they go about trying to to figure this because you know I don't know if I truly believe that tier two nations actually need um, the tier ones. I would like to if it was up to me. I would love to be able to see a situation where. The tier two nations, ice out tier ones, focus on developing in the youth element and just become more marketable and more um, powerful in terms of their uh, player entry points. Because the tier two nations, ironically, are the nations that have probably the highest level of athletes. Obviously, USA is number one. Um you know, uh, China while may not have the athletes, they have the numbers and they have the resources, which speaks to Hong Kong, which is one of the richest, richest rugby unions in the world needs to be there. Nigeria is another one that has massive population, massive youth population, even though soccer is going to be number one forever and ever. Uh, it has massive potential in terms of growth and, and viewership. Uh, India, another place that is very underrated in terms of um, athleticism for rugby, and obviously it's been growing there. Brazil, another place, massive population, massive financial possibility, and uh, massive capability of actually shifting and developing the game in a major way. I'm here in Brazil, and I know this firsthand. Um, and obviously they're working with Japan, so that's at least a plus. Singapore, while it's not a population hub, uh, definitely has the finances to be able to maintain a lot of that. Um, I'd love to be able to see more out of the Middle East. Uh, obviously, Dubai has a tournament, but if you're going to get all this P, um, this public uh, investment fund PIF money, like you need to at least get it in, put have rugby teams be coming out of there to make it worth their while. Because if Dubai Sevens alone isn't making either Qatar um, International Fund or the Dubai International Fund or Saudi International Fund. 
want to invest more into rugby, that's a serious problem. And of course, we talk about the Israel and Palestine situation, but that's that's a different situation, different topic. I'm not going to go into that, but it does speak a lot to how do you grow the green correctly, especially when you want to talk from the top and you want to talk from places that can keep you funded much longer, much better uh, going forward. And um, so let me know what your thoughts are on all these top topics are. Last one in terms of this, and I'm, before I move on to the next thing, is expansion of the Rugby World Cup. I think we talked about it. It officially got made. Uh, Rugby World Cup men's is going to be moving, or just Rugby World Cup 2027 on the men's side, is going to be moving from 20 teams to 24 teams. Um, and then for the women, it's going to be moving from 12 teams to 16 teams uh, overall. Uh, what can you say on that one? I mean, uh, again, pool play wasn't great, but if you're using the Nations Cup as a guiding system, you know, maybe it can increase. But again, 2027 and 2031, uh, it's to be determined since no tier two teams will play a tier one nation in that six year period. So iron's not necessarily going to be sharpened over here. Uh, for the women's side, I think WXV actually is a legitimate benefit. And the four years that it's not going to be in relegation is going to be fine because the teams that are in the WXV 2 and WXV 3 have also kind of been WXV 1 teams in some cases. I'm thinking like uh, uh, Ireland, um, Italy, um, Scotland. Like those are games. So you're getting at least some level of a rub. Like I, the women's side is getting a much better game and they deserve it. But it's so funny that everybody can make sense on the women's side, but the men's side is not going all the way through. But yo, let me know what your thoughts are. What do you think about the expansion? What do you think about this Nations Cup change? I, I, I'm, I'm totally mixed. I love it from. I think it's okay from a business standpoint. I do like the fact of more games being played. But I don't care for the fact that we're not going to be able to see uh, a, a, a evolution and be able to test to see if the amount of games played actually makes a difference to the amount of competition against a tier one until we get to the Rugby World Cup and then see what happens from there. So, uh, but hey, let's get, build up our U side. Like I said, tier two should be building up their U side far superior to what any tier one because tier one is old and legitimately dying off outside of fiji and japan but new zealand might be there forever south africa might be there australia downsliding uh rfu downsliding france is eh, it's over here there italy is super downsliding like those areas are aging themselves out so tier two has a chance to jump them even if they don't get to compete with them all right y'all I'm going to take, let's get a commercial break. I need to drink some water because my throat is dead and we'll be right back. Y'all, if you are trying to be able to get your name out, whether it's for business, whether it's for work, whether you're just trying to do something personal for a friend or family, you need to stop utilizing social media as the sole place where you put all your stuff. You don't know when the algorithms are going to change on you, and you don't know whenever the rules are going to change. So what seemed like it was okay yesterday might not be today. And what does that mean? You need to have your own home, and that means having your own website. That's where Green Geeks comes into play. Now, Green Geeks is the place where you can create and build your website in the cleanest host in the game. I'm talking about environmentally. Not only that, they'll provide you with a free domain name and free template builder so that you don't even have to think about having to create your website. I've used Green Geeks for almost a decade now, and I have been so satisfied 
by everything that they've been able to provide for me. No matter whether or not I know what I'm doing or I don't, they have 24-7 support for me every single time I need a question answered or I need something to be changed or I need to be updated on any information. And the best part about this is that I'm not limited to any of the websites that are need to be used. It uses a WordPress foundation, which allows me to have access to limitless amounts of templates that are available to be able to use for any version of a website that I want to have. And the best thing about it, the best thing about it, it costs me less than $5 per month to do. And that can be the same for you. All I needed to do is click the link in the bio. If you're listening, definitely click it in the description. And if you're watching, definitely click it in the description as well. But you guys, this is something that everybody should do. You don't have to just do e-commerce. Your website is the place where you have control over what you want. That's your house, not their house. And go ahead and get that with Green Geeks. Once again, click the link in the description to be able to get your first year at under $5 per month. Guys, it's the best decision, I'm telling you. Let's get back to it. All right, y'all. Hey, man, we got the last subjects for the day, yo. Uh, you know, uh, if you guys remember for the South Africa game, uh, a lot of people were talking about the play by South Africa, particularly in the scrums, and the fact that South Africa has found a way to not utilize the scrums just for um, not utilizing the scrums for uh, obviously push and get the ball back, but to actually kind of use it as a penalty gap so that they can at least force the other team to get penalized and South Africa gets the game ball back without actually having to do the most work. So what has been coming up lately as of this week has been should we remove scrums from rugby? Man, that is a hot-button issue. Uh, I love this conversation that was had. Um, and uh, definitely, let's check this one out by uh, this commentator. You, the referee wasn't going to give you a penalty, for no matter what you did, unless you did foul play or you are offside. Right. And the game was much better. And, and when did it become what we see now? Oh, it's just sort of moved over the last 15 years. But it's got to the point now where... Look, look, the South Africa and England are like great tax accountants. They find every loophole and they exploit it brilliantly. And I admire the intellect. I really admire the intellect. But what that is not good for the global game and it's not good for the other side of the games like France, New Zealand uh, and Ireland okay. who are trying to play a much more positive ball in hand, entertaining game. Mm. We are in the business of entertainment. That's, okay. what, that's our gig. I'm inclined to agree with you. Oh, my goodness. Wow, okay. So let's get rid of the bomb squad. <laughs> no, not the bomb no, squad. Manager, but I, I think World Rugby have to make a decision. Do we want the scrum to be the focal point of our game? Mm. As, as if th this is the biggest part of how rugby is played. Yes, the decisive and part. Because if it is, and we've got teams like South Africa, it means that the physically bigger, stronger, better scrummaging side mm. invariably are going to do better in the World Cup. Okay. Yeah, and a team like Ireland, our scrum went poorly last weekend, mm. but it's cost us almost... No, I appreciate know, that. Now, we can't make the decision through an Irish lens. It has to no, be for no, the betterment of the game. I'm talking about yes. if, if you are a country that doesn't produce the biggest, strongest scrummaging teams, yeah. have you a chance of winning the World Cup? Okay, I take the point. Is it a 15-man game or is it an eight-man game? Okay. 
they go on to talk about a little bit more on uh, about giving up the the scrum and and the idea that uh, taking away that as the major focal point. And for me, I, honestly, I think that's one of the dumbest things. Obviously, we see it with rugby league, which is one of the pinnacle points of rugby league. There's no contested scrums. You get tackled, you go down, you pick the ball, you go. No rucks, no scrums, no pushback. It's just a forward-moving game, four opportunities to make it to the field, yada, 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 yada. The scrum is one of the unique, almost pinnacle components of uh, rugby union. And look, I'm a forward, so I definitely have a bias where the scrums, the malls, uh, the rucks are incredibly interesting for me because of the fact that I love the factor that it is that one really ultimate power versus power. Now, if you're gaming the system, you're gaming the system. I don't actually have a problem with that. This is almost remnant to me to what people felt like with the uh, Philadelphia Eagles with the NFL uh, trying to utilize the tush push. Like, yo, if you can't stop it, that's on you. All right. Don't make it a thing where it's like, oh, man, uh, one team is dominating it because they are able to have the players and able to do what they need to do uh, to uh, game the system versus uh, you just weren't able to do it. Yeah. The issue isn't about whether or not they can do this or not. The issue is going to be the system. Do you penalize it as heavy? How do you set the restart? Or do you make sure that it's not something that's rewarded? I would agree to that. But to try and remove the scrum out of the situation because of the fact that you think that, oh, you need to have the biggest players in there. Yeah, you damn right need to be able to have the biggest players, all right? Go find it or find a way to not allow yourself to get into the scrum situation or find a way to be able to be better uh, technically set so that you can go against scrums like that sort. Like, it's obvious. It's obvious. But no, yeah, you want to talk about, hey, man, maybe we need to take away the contested scrums because people have been gaming it and now the penalties are a little bit more increased and the refs are calling this a little bit more and more. Blah, 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 blah. That's and that's some BS. And again, I don't, I don't think I'm the only one who's felt that way. Um, you know, uh, 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 you had some people on here uh, always, again, got to love looking at, at Twitter uh, to be able to give you uh, give you the good stuff. Uh, you had people like uh, Rugby Wrap-Up saying, leave scrums alone. This jazz, but jazz is show up a bit. It's a tad boring. Uh, talking about my heart was broken by these final quarter scrums pen, and uh, pens. And even I think you're talking utter bollocks uh, by Tom Courtney. You went to, we want rugby without a proper scrum. I suggest you just go to rugby league, which I, I think is the basic sentiment from this. Uh, even whenever you're looking at it from, uh, the the quotes, I think most people feel the same. It's like, yo, it's the malls. And then it was a 7-1 split. Now it's a scrum. Let's next. Uh, are we going to ask World Rugby to make sure the box don't play in green grass because it looks green? Like, I love this. X is undefeated. All right? I need threads to get into that level. But until then, hey, this is what we're going to do. And I think the basic idea is that people don't want to lose the scrums. It's actually a really stupid idea to try and lose the scrums in the situation. But it doesn't. But I understand that you need to change the system so that the penalties that are done in the scrums don't outweigh what the impact of having scrums are. You know. So let me know what your thoughts are in the comments. Let me know what you guys are thinking about when it comes to is the scrum something that needs to be held or is it something that needs to be evolved out of the game? And if you say it needs to be evolved out of the game, I mean, I think you're a crazy person. I mean, honestly, I, I think that's I think that's fair to say. <laughs> Oh, but 
Y'all, I think that's where we're going to leave it. I had one more story set, but I think I'm going to leave it for next week because it's not super important. I've kept you guys long enough. Um, but I want to thank you guys so much uh, for making it on here. Um, y'all, uh, I want to make sure you guys absolutely, if you get a chance, please let your friends know. Share this. Once again, they can find this either on, uh, obviously, on all platforms. Uh, if you're looking for it to visually, obviously, check it out, Rugby Swag. On Instagram, you can hit us up, Gift Dave Bailu or Gift Time Rugby on X, on Gift Time Rugby on Facebook, uh, YouTube.com slash Gift Time Rugby, and, of course, TikTok at Gift Time Rugby. And then, obviously, from a podcast standpoint, we'd love for you guys to subscribe to the show. Uh, check it out on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, and basically a slew of other uh, podcast audio platforms to be able to listen. Uh, obviously, I want to be able to get a more chance of engaging and definitely want to know what your thoughts on all of these are because what you think is just as important as anything else. And we all need to be able to vent it so that not only do we get to grow the game, but we get to see the game not just survive, but thrive and watch the next generation, whether it's our kids or kids' kids and our kids' kids' kids, get a chance to be able to play the game that we love in a format that is feasible for them, that they're able to be able to develop in ways that we wouldn't expect. I also invite you guys to absolutely check out um our other shows in the past we've got some great interviews we've got another one that got one that's going to be coming up on thursday uh just stay tuned we'll talk about it on uh social media um but definitely go check out some of our other get our guests uh we've had some great conversations with great people like Maya tapper that's sharing ganji um blaine scully uh uh Tukunda rusiki and so many more that have made an impact in this game in ways that you probably didn't know or imagine it's more to come but y'all my name is gift gift time and Baylu. thank you for watching and listening to the rugby swag show and most importantly y'all i hope that you are happy i hope that you are healthy and most importantly and i i'm dead serious most importantly i hope that you know that you are highly favored until next time y'all. cheers